0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Insane Rhetoric. Ice takes the stage as she comes to you from inside the She Shed with a couple of her gal pals talking about some serious issues. What's it all about? Well, come on in, sit back, and enjoy the ride that is Insane Rhetoric. Hey guys, this is Fire from Insane Rhetoric. Check this out. Listen, we need your help in sustaining future episodes, conversations, so we can bring more of the craziness and the insanity to you that's going on in your community, in your city, and in your world. Can you please help us to donate to Insane Rhetoric? And your small, medium, or large gifts are more than appreciated, and we would love to keep this station coming to you and giving you the information that you need about the insanity in your world. So check this out. Please, please, please donate to Insane Rhetoric so we can sustain, sustain future episodes. Hey, thank you once again. Fire out.
1: Okay. It's live. We live. All right. Good morning, everybody, and welcome.
0: To insane rhetoric podcast on this Saturday, um, September twenty third, and we're coming to you live from within the she shed. Listen, we got a special guest with us today. But first, we got our she shed
2: co host Red Dragon Poor. Red Dragon. Oh, uh, how you doing this morning? I am doing peachy king cobbler and green beans <laughs> and, and 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 fruit fruits and everything. I'm happy this morning, <laughs> Red Dragon, Okay, so you got to tell us about this hair what we doing with this hair Girl, Okay, I wanted to get a style done because I'm going out of town and I went to get this hair and I wanted a crochet braid style so when the stylist by the way his name is Stylist John shouted out thank you so much but when he got it going on when he was done he said you know what you got this Cruella DeVille vibe going on <laughs> I'm like you know what I'm feeling it, so we did a whole photo shoot based off of that Disney character with oh, this Oh, DeVille. The DeVille, but we did, we named her Hood Ella because <laughs> I got a new car and it's a Cadillac DeVille uh, vintage model. So okay. he was like, yeah, but I'm cruising the hood looking for pit bull puppies, not Dalmatians, okay? Okay, what color, what color pit bulls you looking for? You know what? Brown ones, white ones, spotted ones—it doesn't matter as long as they're pitbull puppies. Okay, well, so your your fur your fur coat go just be just random. It clothes. was it was a black. I had on a black fur suede fur coat. It was bad. Dressed in pearls, and mm-hmm. I had the whole black and white thing matching my hair. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so fun. And he was like, "Yeah, we are gonna do this." Disney thing because you rocking that Cuella Deville. Even the uh-huh. police came by. Somebody in my building called the police on us. Oh, uh-huh.
1: so we music
2: video. Police came. She's like, Oh, I love your hair. I'm like, thank you, darling. Oh, <laughs> the not the police. Okay. Yes.
0: All right, well, I want to introduce to you everybody our guest. This is Lynn. And Lynn came to be a special guest on our show today. I'm so excited that
3: she's here. How are you doing, Lynn? I am good. What, what's I'm not going as on as Red Dragon. <laughs> 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 all right. So as you all know,
0: um, we, uh, Fire and I, along with uh, one of our favorite people, a token white guy. Um, (laughs) um, We did um, a podcast on um, alcoholism. And as you all have figured out now, um, I like to bring, I like to bring um, some topics to the she shed because some topics, I just really think, um, can be explored from a woman's perspective. So, you know, we if you remember, we talked about abortion a couple of weeks ago when um the Supreme Court decided to overturn Roe versus Wade and we came to the she shed to give our own brand of what we felt about that topic. But today, we are talking about um alcoholism and the effects of that. Um to our mental health and how that plays um, with women. And so I'd like to start in a similar way that we started um, the show with Me and Fire. I'd like to start by introducing Lynn and having her to uh, share her story with us. Uh, Lynn, I'm not gonna tell them any more than that, would you
3: share your story with us,
1: please?
3: Sure, well, hey, all. my name's Lynn and, and I am definitely an alcoholic, uh, a sober one, thank goodness. Um, and I remember my first drink when I was 14 at the high school of uh, homecoming dance when I was a freshman. Um, I was really amazed that I got invited, that I had a date. Um, I was very, very shy and very, uh, had no self-esteem and uh you know my childhood you know back when they had a middle class we were middle class my dad was an electrician and um i just never felt good enough in in my family um you know i remember when i was five walking with my sister i think on a miniature golf course and this lady came up and she told my sister where to you know what a pretty girl she was and she looked at me and she says oh and your little brother's so cute too And you know, I was five and I I still remember that. And uh, it was very competitive in my family. Uh, My dad was an alcoholic, but uh, most of my life he was sober. Um, My mom had a lot of mental health issues. She had nervous breakdowns. Um, Her first one was when I was a baby. I don't remember, but she was in the hospital about every two years for several weeks. And she had a lot of uh, electric shock therapy which back in the day was not really uh very humane um so it was like on the outside we looked like this great family we went to a private catholic school but on the inside there was a lot of turmoil and when i drank that beer i went you know all of a sudden i didn't wonder how i was going to laugh or how i was going to talk or how i was going to dance i just knew i was going to have a blast that night So alcohol, to me, became an instant friend. Um, By Christmas of that year, um, I had my first blackout. You know, I was skating on the Merrimack River one minute, and I woke up in somebody's living room the next. But I didn't know what a blackout was. You know, I just thought it was normal. By the time when I was a junior in high school, I, I took a trigonometry class. I didn't get it. So I dropped out and that's when I figured, you know, I'm going to stop competing with my older brother and sister. Uh, they were both popular, very intelligent, very athletic. I struggled. (laughs) And so I decided I'm going to take the easier softer way and I'm just going to party. And, uh, I did. And you know what that lasted until I was uh, 43 years old. Um, you know, I, I did go to college after I had uh, my first child and ended up in a divorce because I knew I had to support us. My drinking was more um, binge drinking. You know, I didn't do it every day until the very end. Um, I would do it on weekends or every other weekend if uh, my son was at his dad's. But when I drank, I never knew what was gonna happen. And uh, in the 20 years I was married from 1992 to uh 2012, we uh got transferred to San Antonio and it was like, well, I had gotten remarried and it was like I had a babysitter now. And that's when the long weekend binges, sometimes maybe a week started, and I would just go wild. Um, I would end up sometimes on an airplane and go to another state party. <laughs> it was not and uh there was a lot of um a lot of sex involved but to me it was like i'm going to find somebody who really loves me um because i just uh I, I married this man because my family thought he was great you know they accepted him he was 13 years older than me stable um not the love of my life and i certainly um his love for me was more dependent on what size clothes i wore wow and uh in 2006 after i sent one of my kids off to rehab and realized how much I drank with that person for the past two weeks. I decided that, uh, you know, this is a, year, you know, and my ex had, had moved out a few months prior to that. And uh, I had some pain pills, I had some antidepressants, and I just was like, you should not be here anymore. And after I took all those, then I remembered that my 10-year-old was with me that night. And I did call my estranged husband and I just, I don't remember exactly what I told him. I didn't tell him what I'd done. I just told him, you know, make sure you get here in the morning before Eric wakes up. And uh, the next thing I know, I i intended to go hide in our doghouse, the very back of the, our backyard. And apparently I didn't make it. I only made it halfway there, but I woke up the next morning in uh, the ICU on a ventilator. Um, I was told they resuscitated me. And I remember opening my eyes and seeing my, my husband and my neighbor and my best friend and just crying. And I, I wasn't crying because I was alive. I was crying because I was alive. I didn't want to be. And uh, that began a forced entry into rehabilitation and finally a diagnosis of alcoholism because quite honestly, it never dawned on me. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because I had been diagnosed bipolar um after my first weekends on um and th- so i always thought that was my problem and it wasn't until i you know was honest about my drinking that they said well you know we don't think that you're bipolar but we don't we do know you're an alcoholic mm. wow wow indeed thank you,
1: thank you for um thank you for sharing that with us So.
0: what I found very interesting about that story is that um, it resonate. I think it would resonate for so many, for so many women. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything, I was actually watching a YouTube video. Um, I started it a couple of weeks ago but then i was kind of watching it today as i was preparing to come on here It just popped on and it was two men talking about what men like about women's bodies and they were men in their 40s but they talked about how uh society has put so many stipulations out there about what women should look for well, I mean, look like, and you know the airbrushed body and all of that. And you're right, our self image starts at a very mm-hmm. early age, and and who says it to us has a has a lot to do with it too. So I'm getting ready to shock some people that know me. Uh,
1: I was showing someone the pictures from the photo shoot I I did recently
0: and I was talking about, I was looking at myself uh, and how I looked through the lens of this photographer and I had never seen myself look like that. I see myself in the mirror every day but I had never seen myself like that. So I was I was amazed. I kept saying, oh, my God, I'm pretty, oh, I'm pretty, oh, I'm pretty, right? And the photographer said, you just learning that today? And I said, well, yeah, because as a little girl, and I mean a little girl from as long as I can remember, Y'all, if y'all know me, I don't, want, don't be calling me because I, 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 yeah, I, sh- I share it on this show. Don't call me. <laughs> From a little girl, someone very important to me, someone who was very integral in my life and my learning process, said to me, you so
1: ugly. You ugly. They said it to me on a daily basis. You ugly, mm-hmm.
0: and because I was thin, and the you know the women who were around me were heavy, it was mm-hmm. you ugly, and you think you out there because you skinny, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and then the women around me were of a darker skin tone, mm-hmm. so it was mm-hmm. you ugly. You thank you all that because you're skinny and you light skinned it.
1: Mm. So,
0: so as you were telling your story about being this little girl and having your self esteem beat down like that, and the things we take as women that constantly beat us down. I heard you say. I was married to a man that I didn't really love. My family said he was the one, so I just did that. And we did that a lot back in, in our in our uh mm-hmm. you know, back in our day, because that's what you did. You you married the person that your mom and daddy said you married. You you went out with the guy that your mom and daddy said you need to go out with. You might not have
3: liked him, you might have thought he was stupid. <laughs> 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 well, okay didn't tell me to get married but he is the first he's the first guy that you know when i walked in the door there was oh mopey and oh what she brought home now because he got in this black leather jacket and a black leather cap he was a harmonica player and he played a lot of blues music and uh they're they were just not happy and my uh brother in law says, so what do you do for a living? And he says, Oh, I'm a financial manager, financial analyst, you know, had a good job. And Uh all of a sudden my dad and my uncles are, you know, their their faces just lit up. Yeah. He's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So so that's what I'm saying. You know, alcoholism plays a whole big part with all of the different self esteem issues that we have. Mm -hmm. And we don't even Let's not even talk about some of the other stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. It starts right there with the self-esteem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, and it's hidden a lot more than it is with, um, with men mm-hmm. because we got to hold it together mm-hmm. for the kid. Yeah. You know,
2: we got we gotta hold it together for the kids. I do believe men get it's it's like they sort of get a pass. Women get judged so harshly. <laughs> and like you said, we got the kid, we got this image as the woman, and I think the way society views women, <clears throat> they put a lot of pressure on us we have pressure from our families, we have pressure from our peers, and we got pressure from the opposite sex. And all that pressure to be desirable, to be uh, a trophy, to be the, the total package. And we are bred like this from an early age. And you are right, because for me, it was, I was skinny, I was Tomboyish, I was light skinned, I had freckles, I had thick long hair, and I wanted to be like everybody else. And I was not allowed to. I was, it it was taught very young women are supposed to carry themselves a certain way. No, you can't climb trees. No, you can't run, put on a dress, you know, be girly. And it's like, well, I don't want to. I want to beat up boys. I want to play in the dirt. I want to climb trees, fall, scrape my knee. Well, you can't. You can't. Pretty girls don't act like that. I'm like, well, okay, um, okay, and and it it it's it's always the older generation that's carrying that generational dysfunction to look at someone younger than them, so impressionable, and just just impose all that negativity and all that conditioned thinking all that abuse all that self-hatred is projected onto this young impressionable being and we are brought up in that influence and because it is so widespread and so common we are not allowed to be vocal about it we have to either follow suit deal with the pressure, find some balance, but we can't say anything. And if we do, God forbid, we speak out about this pressure and this this unrealistic expectation being forced upon us, Uh, God forbid us being verbal about it because then you risk being shunned by the family, you risk being uh, pretty much isolated or alienated by your quote unquote friends, and then you're out there, you know, and and you you what can you do? Drugs are soulless, alcohol is just so easy to fall into, and it's so easy to uh get caught up in it because it's it's an elixir. Oh my god, it's warm and fuzzy. It doesn't make me feel so bad. As a matter of fact, it makes me feel good and enough to be me without worried about, you know, all of this pressure and labels. I can, I can very well understand how it's so attractive, how it's so easy, because from a young age, women get it so much harder. Men, you get a pat on the back. That's my boy. Oh, he's coming into manhood early. He's got her on his chest. Well, I probably do too. Does that mean I'm not freaking worthy? It's it's hard because I think for women we have this image in society and it's so unfair and very very misbalanced that I believe women probably suffer in silence a lot longer than a man because once it's evident it's like oh my God the breadwinner the 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 foundation get this man some help well. He's probably dealing with so much and he's got to be the provider. So, but then you look at the woman, it's like, yeah, she knew better. She knew she shouldn't have been able, come on that. You should know better. So Leah, what do you think about what she's,
0: what she's saying?
3: From well, your I think it's, you know, unfortunately it's so much the way it is, or at least it wasn't in, in our generations. Um, you know, when I got divorced in 2012, it's, you know, it's my, my ex-husband, um, who was 13 years older than me. Um, and I think I was in a 10 or a 12 and he didn't want any intimacy in our marriage anymore. And he finally told me after I tried to get him to see a therapist and a sex therapist. (laughs) And he, he just said, well, I'm just not attracted to you anymore. You don't look like you did when we got married. Wow. Well, I was 49 years old you know oh, and uh but it, you know i i was sober at that time and i and i had learned that i kind of did like a lot of things about me and that was not acceptable that was not acceptable and uh you know i dated for a while you know on and off and uh you know i gave that up four years ago because i'm just done <laughs> i'm so feeling you on that tip oh my god you know i have a lot of guy friends and that's all i want you know i have my three dogs and by the way the reason i had to get up is because i've got my son's pit bull here and i had to let her out you've got pit bulls she's a brindle my son's is beautiful um but yeah it's and you know a funny story when well, it's not funny, but uh, when I was a senior in high school, um my mom was in the hospital again, and it was just me and my dad at the house, and he came home drunk one night and he told me what a tramp I was, which hurt wow. a lot, but it not it, but the reason it hurt is because it was true. The reason it hurt is because I didn't think he knew, obviously he did, okay. but you know. If a guy had been doing that stuff that I did,
1: mm-hmm. he
3: wouldn't be a tramp.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: He wouldn't, you know, he'd be, oh, good for you. Right. For my boy, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, it was not acceptable for a for a woman or for a girl. It certainly wasn't acceptable for me, but still, um, you know, for your own father to call you a tramp and call you out on it. Mm-hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. think my brothers were virgins at that point.
1: (laughs) Right. So
3: my first
1: uh, pregnancy, um, I definitely wasn't a tramp. But um, someone very close to me heard that I was pregnant and immediately called me a slut. Okay. And I... hey, what was the dad? <laughs> exactly.
0: I... Okay, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have another show about that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, y'all go listen to Baby Daddy. On, on any podcast station and like subscribe and follow in the meantime y'all go listen to baby daddy but anyway <laughs> you you go you go we're going down the right street together I, that's a whole lo- that's a very long story of
2: okay let me go on. <laughs> you must be reading some hot comments <laughs> no I'm just saying No, I'm
0: just saying, you know, like I was called a slut but all I did at that particular time was go to school
1: and come home. And that made you a slut. Yeah. (sighs) So you see
0: as women we go through a lot. Mm. You know and then I heard you say Well, I divorced, and here I was now a single mom, Mm -hmm. Okay, So now it's like that. I was telling somebody about this commercial that came out. I think it was in the 70s. It was for a cologne called Anjali. And so they had taken a song from yesteryear and made it the the theme song for this commercial. I can bring home Mm -hmm. the bacon. Fried up in the pan and never let you forget you're the man because I'm a woman. Ah. And, then, and then it would say, Angelique. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a groovy song. I can bring her the bacon fried up in
2: the pan. Okay, I'm ready to bust out my fur collar. Ugh. So here we are, you know, you
0: think, mom, I could bring her the bacon. Mm, Fried up, too. Fried up, it it too. <laughs> right? Oh, and gosh. never, ever, ever let you forget. You're the man, because I'm a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. You remember? <laughs> that? <laughs> I do. Right? Oh, we were God. trying to believe that we had to work,
1: mm-hmm. take care
0: of man, take care of our kids, oh,
1: and neglect ourselves. Us. Yeah, oh, exactly.
2: God. And, you
3: know, like I'd be witched when he walks in the door, have this Manhattan ready for him. hmm. Right. He, he all fours, you on six inch stilettos, trying to. Uh,
2: vacuum the floor, wear a ton of makeup and look desirable while you in the kitchen and a hot stove and hard sweated out, trying to look sexy and don't wanna be touched because you've been in chicken grease and, 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 and kitty poop all freaking day. And now you gotta <laughs> come home and cater to this insecure <laughs> asshole who don't know nothing about being intimate or being appreciative or respectful to you at all and get home and it's like i'm i I expect this then the other and then you're gonna have the audacity when you hit your midlife crisis to tell me i'm not desirable when to be quite frank i never liked you to begin with and you want to tell me i'm not desirable okay
3: okay cletus all right Cletus. Yeah. Well, I, what I wanted to tell him, you know, have you looked in the mirror lately? But
2: <laughs> <laughs> You got it, Lynn. All right. Like, for real, like, not only did I stretch my body out having your offspring, but you got the nerve to sit talk about me. What about your bald or receding hairline, your thinning hair? What about you and your, your, your pudge in the middle and the fact that you don't work out? And 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 you come home ready to sit on the couch and disengage. While well, I'm telling you, Julio up the street, the same age as you, looking
1: fine and
2: oh, okay. And he want to come and help out. All right, please. I I, I got your undesirable. <laughs> and that's where we lead to cheating, and that's where we lead to even compound. You know, for some couples, they so toxic, this work out for them because they not interested in each other in the first place. But God helped them poor babies caught in the middle. They're seeing everything. And, and, And they learn quite quickly that this is either normal or seriously messed up, like seriously fudged up to the point where this dysfunction, I need to get away from it, I'm embarrassed by it, but then they go and do the same thing, because there's no intervention, there's nobody to say, hey, stop, like you said, Lynn, after a certain time, you're like, oh, I'm done, this is enough, you, Cletus, are not serving a purpose, you got to go, and I mean, you know, it's, when we have that, when women have that aha moment, where we're like, you know what i'm gonna do a 380 degree and go that way
0: we go at
3: 380 degrees We i gotta tell you what happened in the months following you know because i moved out we moved into an apartment and uh you know i guess you know getting divorced whether it's something you want or not you know you end up losing weight you know you just i wasn't eating the way i should and uh and I lost a lot of weight pretty quickly and um, it was it was spring and uh, we were we rode motorcycles um, but I'd had an accident so I went out and bought a convertible instead <laughs> and so <laughs> you know uh, my, we were still married he asked me well let's let's drive out to Luchenbach a new convertible and so we did you know Luchenbach Texas with uh, Waylon and Willie in the gang
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: And so, you know, we get out there and there's music playing, of course. And he pulls me to the side away from the crowd and he says, Listen, I want to, I just need you to know that I really, really love you and I really don't want to get divorced. My only condition is that you stay the same size you are now. Wow. Wow. Um, <sighs> Okay, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> like. I didn't either. I was just dumbfounded.
0: I, I love you, but can you just be skinny? <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and uh, you know, um, I, I made the mistake short after, um, I guess it was right before the divorce or right after the divorce. I made the mistake of going and talking to a priest because we've been married in the Catholic Church, and I, I wasn't going to the catholic church but and you know this guy i didn't know him and he's um he had a very strong um asian accent and the only thing i could make sense that he told me was um you know if you uh, don't get your marriage annulled you'll be an adulteress if you get into another relationship wow and i got pretty ticked off oh, i guess you did and in the <laughs> program that i worked for my sobriety you know having a close relationship with your higher power is pretty essential Right. But instead of getting just pissed off at this person and this institution, I, I got pissed off at what I call God. And um, so, like, six late, months later, and I guess I was divorced at that time, I, I got really drunk one night. I want two bottles of, beer of uh, wine, and I didn't finish both of them because I got so sick, but I called two of my Gail's friends. In my uh, recovery program, and they came over, and they called my ex. I don't remember why I wanted him to, but they told me this the next day. They said he comes to the door, and they open the door, and he says, "Oh, where's my little lamb?" Hmm. Ugh. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> little lamb. Little lamb. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like you know, and that was kind of the you know he all those years when i you know he knew that i would sleep around on him because when i get so depressed i would tell him um and he didn't care you know i mean he did but uh i guess he got used to it i don't know but you know he <laughs> liked taking care of me mm. and then when so I he was drunk, addicted
0: to that probably he was addicted to that
3: i, I think so because then you know when i became you know, I actually was, winner, um, you know, cause I, you know, it wasn't very long before, you know, my career took off and I, you know, despite my drinking and, you know, I brought home the majority of the money. And so, you know, what he did was he, he uh, got fired from his job. And so he started teaching yoga part-time. Um, he was really into that kind of stuff. And so it was like, um, he, you know, really, got what he wanted out of the situation through my sobriety, but he didn't like the fact that he couldn't take care of me anymore because I had grown up. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and that's really what it's all about too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. I grew up. Yeah. But I grew up, but I grew up, I didn't grow up in a negative way. I grew up in a
3: positive way I grew up right because right? right. we all grow up yeah yeah I'm matured. you know my I, they talk a lot about how when people who are in active addictions you know your emotional maturity just stops
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know and uh you know in my drinking days I would get very angry very easily um I mean I, I broke a door I kicked a hole in our not a hole, but a big dent in the washing machine one time. And, um, you know, you just, it's like you emotionally, you're just very immature. And then when you get some sobriety under your belt, you know, you do mature. And it's like, I look back at my parents and my childhood and it's like, you know, my parents loved me. They did the very best they could. You know, I can't blame my parents for anything. You know, Mm -hmm. because my parents could go back and blame their parents. They had it worse than I did, you know, and so on Mm -hmm. up the line. Mm -hmm. Um, Not all my siblings uh, have come to that point. Um, A a couple of them have. And, you know, I just hope, you know, I mean, I look at the kind of mother that I was. How many times my kids saw me drinking? How many times I couldn't make dinner because I was too drunk? And the countless number of times I was in the hospital because, um, well, I used to, when I would get really, really depressed about what I'd done, you know, I, I would always get suicidal, which is kind of a, and, and, you know, so they'd put me in the hospital and they say, oh, well, we need to try some medicate, some different medicines, you know? Well, it's like, how about, we didn't talk about alcoholism in my in my family of origin. I don't know why, but, you know, back in the day, you didn't talk about things, you know? Here I mm-hmm. am, I, they knew how much I drank, but it was never discussed.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so, um, uh, until, until I was honest about my drinking, it was always another issue, you know, cause all those pills I took for bipolar, they never changed a single thing about me. No, they don't. Thing. They don't. The binge drinking kept continuing. they get closer together. I'd still go out and do things I regret. Mm. So I'd still mm-hmm. get depressed once I stopped mm-hmm. drinking and realized all, all the things I did. Um, and so, and, and honestly, it took me a little while once I had that final suicide attempt and, and started working a recovery program because I was of the opinion, well, if I'm not bipolar, I'm not going to be an alcoholic. Okay. So I tried to control my drinking mm-hmm. and it didn't work. <laughs> 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 it's like when somebody introduced me about the fact that people try to control their drink and I'm like, Oh no, I
2: never I never tried that. Let we'll me give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 that's hilarious because it's like when you mentioned like uh the uh the medication for bipolar, like I was diagnosed as being bipolar, but it wasn't to the extreme where I heard the voices and stuff like that. But it was enough to be classified. And I was put on medication, mm-hmm. and what I hated was you're either too doped up to the point where you don't want to do anything. you're stuck and you're a zombie or and, and not to mention gain weight, okay it, oh yeah, <laughs> I did, oh my god, unable I, I did and, and 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 then your kids seeing you like if you're either and then if you want to try and wean yourself then you go to the extreme you're nervous you're all over the place you're going through withdrawal because whatever they doping you up with is not in your system so your body's reacting to it so you don't know if you're coming or going and and then if you do take the pills you're not going anywhere you're just stuck and confused that creates a cycle of mental instability because i don't i think that they're so quick to put a band-aid on a broken arm and say here you're medically this, but if you take this this medication, then you're being treated without ever discussing or diving deep into the root of the issue. Oh, you had this done to you as a childhood? Oh yeah, mm-hmm, that falls under this. Oh, what happened? Your parents were this then? No? Oh yeah, well mm-hmm, yeah, you're pretty fucked up. Okay, you know it's 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 it's, it's shameful that the Uncomfortable conversations have to be had with a therapist instead of at home with your loved ones where you can focus on healing as opposed to someone clinically diagnosing every normal emotion with a clinical extreme and saying there's a pill for that and then you oh, to it- talk about
3: that subject for a long time I, it's
2: always a pill for something ain't it oh yeah i want give you no herbs and help your body heal naturally they want to dope you up and then tell you that not only are you an alcoholic but now you a drug addict because you hooked on the antidepressants that they're giving you to balance yourself so if you ain't crazy you sluttish and if you ain't crazy and sluttish you're a drug addict, and either way around, you're a bad influence on your kids. You know what? I give up. Somebody shoot me, put me out of my misery, or lock me up in a bedazzled straitjacket because I can't get right. You said bedazzled. With (laughs) my name and glitter on it, okay? For real, because I don't know if I'm coming or going with all of these standards, all of these expectations, and all I'm trying to do is Find a straight path, stay on it, and stay sane, trying to balance everything around me. You know, it is hard. It's very hard.
0: So we're talking about mental health now. So 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 what's the balance? Because you can't you can't self-medicate. Well that I didn't, work, it, right? Right, mm-hmm, that didn't work, right? Right, Lynn? That didn't work. Right. Self-medicate,
2: that didn't work, right? I really think a support system and then looking within, because a lot, like, like Lynn said, you don't have these, these conversations. It's never discussed the issues uh, that are, are the purpose of people resorting to drug use or alcohol or whatever. We don't talk. We don't, don't verbalize what, what this is doing to us and what is what it's hurting us. So, I think looking within and taking a real honest look and saying, okay, I'm doing this because this is making me feel this way. And when I feel this way, I do this. I think being very aware of what triggers you is a big point of helping you. Because when you don't know you just flail about trying to reach for anything to help cope with that moment. But if you're not clear-headed, focused, and have a, a balanced support system with people that are, you know, hey, look, you you left. Is there something going on? Can you, Hey, let's talk. Let's talk what's going on. You know, sometimes that's all it takes, and the floodgates open, and you're able to get to the root of the problem. So I think that that comes in. That's that's essential. Now the self medicating part, I, I ain't gonna say too much about that. I so, will say that I'm a big advocate of it if you're if you're educated enough to know what. And I'm not talking about like illicit stuff. I'm talking about herbalism stuff, naturally good for the body. Uh, you know, I, I just think when you're more aware and educated, then you can help
3: yourself heal. So yeah, there's a lot of natural remedies. Um, you know, melatonin being one, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, for people who are truly alcoholics, um, you know, it's, for me, working a recovery program Mm -hmm. really worked, you know, a, a program where they go through the 12 steps, where you just really purge a lot of that stuff that went on, you put it in writing, you discuss it with someone, you stop thinking of yourself as, you know, person at the top who has to be and do everything. And you look for a higher power and realize, you know, hey, buddy, I'm going to let go. I'm going to let you. And, you know, trying to focus your life on being a good, loving and caring person, Um, getting rid of resentments, you know, not holding on, forgiving the people that hurt you in the past, trying to, you know, like my parents, you know, oh my gosh, I love them so much. Um, They did the best they could. It's uh, it's nobody's fault that my life turned out the way it did. Life is life, and nobody comes out clean. It's just the way it is. Um, I love that perspective, Lynn. Yeah, and so, you know my so life what today. Here. Go ahead. Go ahead. My life today is so wonderful. I mean, it is so wonderful, and I, I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't gone through that bad journey
1: okay Mm -hmm.
3: but my bad journey doesn't compare to the bad journeys a lot of people have i mean a lot of people have go through such terrible things Mm -hmm. and really mine's not that bad so
0: what i hear is and you all tell me if i'm wrong i hear that from an alcoholic standpoint it's don't be afraid to talk Right. And I mean, on the other side is we have to listen.
3: Mm-hmm. So. Well, and people in recovery do that. I've got, I mean, my my family, I mean, other than my kids, of course, and cousins and stuff like that is is my closest friends that are in sobriety that work in active recovery program. I mean, we're tight. Mm-hmm. I can tell them anything and they can tell me anything because we don't judge. hmm yeah so we have to listen without judgment
1: in order to help Mm -hmm. we have to
3: listen
0: without judgment right yes right and you know
3: therapists you know not psychiatrists because they're Mm -hmm. i mean in my opinion you know i know a lot of people need them but they're legal drug pushers yes and they you know i mean it was 93 when they told me i was bipolar and 2006 when i wasn't And now here we are in 2022 and that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, everybody was ADHD and now everybody's bipolar. It's like the Mm -hmm. the, um, diagnosis of the decade or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've I've talked to several therapists throughout my life, you know, especially post sobriety to get to the root of, you know, how I feel um, and why I feel and why I can let it go, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's if you if you got if you but it's you know it's sometimes hard to find a good one. Mm-hmm.
1: I you I, know what I had
2: a therapist where I started talking and he's like, let's dig deep into the root of your problem. I'm like, you sure you you got time for that? And he was like, yeah. So I started talking and I'll be damned that this man did not fall asleep. <sighs> I got to talking, and this man was like, "Uh huh, yeah, 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 uh huh." mm." And I was like, "I was like, dude, you said let's get to the heart of the problem. I'm sitting up here talking about my mama. I'm talking about my daddy. I'm talking about I'm talking about everything. I'm getting all. And I look up, and this man is nodding off." needless to say it stopped me from going to therapists and caused me to to switch it up and look for a different type of support system yeah but that so, was that was hilarious i told people that story they was like oh my god you got to stop talking to people <laughs> no. oh
1: my so, god
0: so, that was
2: that was crazy
0: uh all my life and and i do mean all my life I have been told by people that I'm crazy. (laughs) Even just last week, I mean, earlier this week, someone who's relatively close to me Mm. told me I was crazy multiple times in that conversation as they defended some misbehavior that I was talking about. Mm. I'm crazy. I've been crazy all my life, but let me tell you, I'm finally accepting that I'm crazy. And I'll tell you why. All the stuff, if I could sit here and talk about all the stuff I went through as a kid, okay. I, I think I've mentioned uh on an uh on one of our episodes, if you listen on regular podcast, uh now YouTube, I, I've been raped. Okay uh single mother uh i i i've never had alcoholism or drug addiction you know none of that uh i'm like president clinton though i did in hell <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not gonna say i i've never done deeply, anything, deeply? right okay i'm just saying that you know, I never was, I didn't, you know, the binge drinking, all that. I didn't do none, I, okay, so, but let me tell you what, let me tell you, let me tell you about me, why I'm crazy, <laughs> I'm crazy because, and my family, like, they, if they were all here, they were like, yeah, she, I was the one in the family, the one in the family that would see the white elephant, and be like, don't y'all see the white elephant in the room? Why we can't talk about the white elephant in the room? We don't talk about the white elephant in the room. Come on, we have to talk about the white elephant in the room. And they would be like, "Girl, go over there, and sit down. You crazy? Mm-mm. Girl, we don't talk about these things. Go over there, and sit down. You crazy? But it's a white elephant in the room. No, go Thank over you. there, and sit down. Okay. Again. long story about me and we all have our long stories but i was clear that i needed a support system that really was a support system right so i kept friends in my life who might have been on the edge a little gritty you know ghetto whatever because i 'Cause I was kind of a white bread, white black girl. <laughs> I, I stuff still I'm all, the stuff still go over my head. I'll be like, huh? <laughs> okay. I, a little naivete going on. Okay. But but I see it. I want to speak on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: And then I wanna go ahead on and talk about it and move around. I don't like to throw things under the rug
1: oh yeah yeah right Mm -hmm.
0: and then these friends that I keep around me and and they've been different seasons different friends you know but there's always one who can look at me and go girl (laughs) that's some ghetto mess going on (laughs) (laughs) we gonna come over here Oh, okay, gotcha.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay. So so for me, and I and I talked about this when we talked about alcoholism uh, on the regular show uh last uh, week before last. For me, my my uh I had I had an addict in my life and Going to Al Anon was not good for me. Now, I have somebody who says, a friend of mine who says that they went to Al Anon and for them it was good, and for them it actually made them stop drinking too. Okay, but for me, Al Anon didn't work because it was a bunch of Mabby Pambies. Okay, y'all don't Al Anon, don't (laughs) call me. I'm listen, it just that's what I thought. OK, for people, listen, listen, y'all. I just told y'all Al-Anon worked for other people, OK? <laughs> for me, it didn't work. For me, I thought it was a bunch of mamby pambies. <laughs> just all of us just talking about how somebody did us wrong. And that didn't help me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For me, I had to have a conversation like this with an addict. Mm-hmm who said to me after they, you know, because they made me, I went to a closed meeting. And the lady that took me, she stood up and told them why she had brought me to a closed meeting. And, you know, yes, I swear, I'm not going to tell y'all story. I promise, promise to God. (laughs) (laughs) And then they let me tell my story. And then the addicts one by one after me got up and started saying their story and would turn to me and say may i please apologize to you because my family won't talk to me may i please apologize to you because my girlfriend won't talk to me because my daughter won't talk like that okay Mm. and that began my healing as a non-addict but it was something that i did that didn't have anything to do with, um, you know, alcohol or drugs or it was <coughs> me understanding what my mental health was because I was real clear because I was an addict out.
1: Oh wow, you were just me.
0: Yeah, well, I'm crazy. This is what yeah. I told you. They just told me that on Monday. <laughs> <I> just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, my crazy. I don't. I. I never understood why my crazy had to be crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah, compared to most, huh? <laughs> yeah. Right?
0: Because I'm just looking at it straight on.
3: Right,
1: right.
0: And I don't think it's anything wrong with us looking at things
3: no, straight no. on. It is not. Well, I think, no. you know, all the years, went, well, decades, when people didn't look at anything straight on, mm-hmm. it's, you know, caused a hell of a lot of messes. Yeah. Look at what's going on in the
0: world
2: today. We're not looking at stuff straight on. Right. I think people willfully turn a blind eye because the truth is too hard to deal with. So it's easy to live in illusion. It's easy to live a lie because nobody has to know your truth. And as long as you run from it, quote unquote, then you don't have to deal with it. And I think that is the majority. And there is a faithful view, like you said, uh, ICE, that, that see it and address it head on. There, there's no sugar coating it. It is what it is. I see it for what it is, and I'm going to speak about it. And in that speaking, that truth, I really feel that that does bring clarity because you're not sugarcoat, You're not enabling. It is what it is, and it's direct. And I think that because you've never been tainted by uh, that mentality, that fog of addiction, you're able to look and see it for what it is, call it out and address it. No BS. But if you are on the other side, it's hard. You see it, but it's hard to say what it is because you've got all these layers. You got all this stuff built up and You can't really verbalize it but you see it you know it's there you just don't know how to do it well
0: i think the first thing is when it comes to women and women and addiction is that women period not even just about addiction Mm -hmm. i think one of the first things is that we have to stop beating each other up Mm. Mm -hmm. like we really need to um address the fact that we don't stick together. Yeah.
1: Period. Mm. I you I love to
0: it's amazing in my in my life. I'll empower some
1: woman and they'll look at me and they'll go, but you actually gonna do this for me? Why not? Yeah. Right, yeah,
0: it doesn't hurt me to empower another woman to be the best woman she can be mm-hmm. it doesn't- it doesn't hurt me to empower anybody, period, but mm-hmm. most especially women i've I've been through a lot as a woman mm-hmm. you know. Um, and to have, to have the power to create a space for women, to create a space for everything that we go through,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is important to me. Yeah. This world can't work without a woman.
2: Oh, don't get me started.
0: We can't keep going without a woman, right?
1: Mm, Exactly.
0: So I think that alcoholism and addiction, mental health.
1: What did you do, Lynn? So you cried because
0: you weren't dead right now now what you come out of the hospital and what are you thinking
3: well I had, to, uh, I had to go I was in the hospital for about two weeks in another hospital um it was a dual diagnosis and that's where things got straightened out but uh um you know I really was pretty uh Confused for a little while, you know. I started going to different uh, recovery places, um, and it was really, you know, it wasn't until I actually lost the urge to to pick up a drink that I really had to start focusing on what do I, what do you like, who are you, you know, are you a Democrat or a Poli- or a Republican, you know, for an example. Because if you're a Democrat and I was around you, that's what I was. If you're a Republican and I was around you, that's what I was, you know. Um, And so I, I, my, uh, because my, my husband at the time um, was only working part-time, you know, he had taken over the cooking. He had taken over my gardening, pretty much everything I like to do. And so, you know, I started, um, I started cooking again. I found out that. How much i really liked to cook i started throwing uh sober parties for people i found out how much i liked to entertain that's still something i do mm-hmm. um i have people over all the time i love to make people happy mm-hmm. um and i just really started focusing on um trying to find out who i was what do i like what don't i like what is acceptable um what is unacceptable like Having to be a size six or a size eight—that wasn't acceptable. My body wasn't made for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I started hanging around people, and you know, going to meetings where I—I I felt that people were, there were more people like me. Women's meetings,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
3: mm-hmm. and hearing mm-hmm. other women talk about the perspective and, you know, listening about what their lives were like then, which I could relate to, but what they were like now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. these were, they were strong people. They, and we went shopping a lot. So <laughs> we spent a lot of time. We would, we would go to eat a lot and we'd go shopping and, mm-hmm. you know, I just, and, I, and we started, I just started hanging around all these sober women that didn't judge me and, you know, mm-hmm. built up my self-esteem and really found out what I liked and what I didn't like. Okay. Um. I did, like, for example, I really didn't like my my husband's harmonica playing. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't. Really didn't like the dive bars that I'd have to go to with him sometimes, <laughs> so that he mm-hmm. could play.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, now, when we lived in St. Louis, you know, we used to go down to Soulard when it was actually a blues area. Oh, I don't think really? It really is anymore. That I liked oh, okay. the dive bars, you know. It's it's it was there's not a lot of blues music in San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> what is not? Wow. There are some. Yeah, there there is there are some, but you know, there's a lot of country and you know a lot of dive bars. But you know, I just started focusing on okay, what is it that I want to do, and mm-hmm. let's stop doing the things that you really never really wanted to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. including Mm -hmm. how i dressed including how much makeup i wore including how i wore my hair because he always liked it long you see how Mm -hmm. short it is now (laughs) it is curly long curly hair is hard to take care of Mm -hmm. unless you do it in the tiny little braids which (laughs) i've never done i'm gonna tell you Lynn. one time it was it was in 1992 it was in
0: 1992 i remember because I had a child born in 1993. I I shaved all my. hair. I used to have my hair permed, so my hair is naturally kinky. I would perm it, so it would be straight. And so you know when it grows back in, you call it the new growth, right? Mm-hmm. So so I shaved my hair down, put the number one guard on the on the thing, on the uh, thing, and I shaved it down to the new growth. And I threw my hair at this man.
1: Uh-uh. Because
0: he always was what telling me. Because you know, I had I had I had two kids. I was always putting see, see. I was <laughs> always putting it back in the ponytail. My hair was down here, but I was always putting it back in the ponytail. And he wanted me, we went somewhere one time, so you know, I was looking cute. And I had the sister curls, you know, and I was looking cute. <laughs> and he was like, you need yeah, to wear your hair like that. Eh, it, it's yeah. about my jewelry. So oh, I God. got the new growth and I shaved my hair down to the new growth and I threw it at him and put him out. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lynn. Taste your story.
3: <laughs> <laughs> My hair, when I was uh, all through high school, you know, my, I had an afro because my hair was kinky curly. And that was oh, wow. the easiest way to do it. Okay. Um, I have, you know, I've got some African-American heritage on my,
1: oh, my mom's
3: side of the family. And I don't okay. know where back. I don't, it has to do with <laughs> when the Irish came over and, but mm-hmm. anyway, um, yeah. And uh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know I threw you off with
0: going to hand to me. I used to
3: try to straighten my hair mm-hmm. in high school a little bit didn't work so I went with the afro they call me Brillo head but oh my god well they were being funny Uh it was you know it was some song that we would that they would sing and everybody would have a nickname and that was mine but uh I did the hair straightening when I was older Uh um but you know I you straighten your hair and you still got to get a flat arm because it would come out like cardboard and just straight and (laughs) yucky yucky (laughs) God gave me this hair and I'm, that's, I'm just going to manage it. There you go. There you go.
0: Well, I know we got off the subject, but, but, but the, the point
3: was just finding your voice.
2: Oh, yes. Yes.
3: Well, you know, I figured out what I liked and what I didn't like. And I started having opinions. I, it was like all of a sudden, you know, okay, you know what? I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm a, you know what i mean i mean i'm not going to talk politics that's why Uh, either but um and it was like okay you know um i don't like uh tight leggings as much as i like um my my big bell or you know boot cut (laughs) levi's um i don't like having to wear eyeliner you know Um, i don't (laughs) i don't like eyeliner you know i just always and so instead of doing what people expected me to do, mm-hmm. I started really thinking about, okay, do, what do, what does Lynn like? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's find out what she likes and let's, let's do what she likes, unless it's something that's gonna hurt someone else. But, mm-hmm. you know, things like my interests, my opinions, you know, um, is, well, I mean, yeah, you can hurt somebody with your opinion, but yeah. um, that wasn't the, the point. The point was knowing that I had an opinion yeah Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. you know what glenn i really i wanted to ask you and it's uh, to me it's very fascinating because i've been brought up to believe white people don't have any of the same problems black people do i yeah i your that look on your face says so much yeah, and we all there like, are some problems that are just human. There you go, and it's like, I feel that the more I talk, the more we share our stories, that women in general, no matter what the color, we we are so closely related with the trauma that we go through and endure from our families, and because we're brought up to believe, oh, this, this, where if you're this uh, culture, then you don't have a clue as to what's going on. But if you from this culture, then you know everything because everything's it. But when we have conversations like this, where we are able to share, we find out that we have more in common than we realize and that uh, it's 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 shameful that we we put these barriers up and we we cut off healing that way. Yeah. And I have been man land. You're awesome to me, first off. Thank you. And I really, really got so much from your story because it made me think about, and I again, I don't wanna pick on one thing, but it made me think about a lot of white women I know, which is not a lot, but the ones I do know, it's like, I always wonder what their story is. What makes them that way? Why are they like that? Do they go through any, do they understand And you know what? Y'all do. We We would understand each other so much more if we have conversations. And I really, really dig the fact that not only did you own up to the fact that, okay, your parents did the best, because a lot of us feel like, blame them. They did it. Hey, they were messed up and they messed me up. I'm justified. But I really appreciate how you owned up and you're like, hey, they did the best they could. And life just happened. And I found, in the midst of it all, what I like. And once I realized what Lynn really, really loved, Lynn just was able to thrive. And you know, sadly, we don't give enough credit to our to our white sisters for being strong enough to recognize Hey, enough's enough. I need to break this generational curse. I need to step out and I need to do my own thing. And I can hold my own despite what I've been told. And I think if more Black women saw white women like that and white women the opposite, so much stereotype would be cut out and the male agenda would be obliterated. And we would have a real sisterhood. We would really have a real supportive environment for women to be able to heal each other as well as themselves we can become that support system
3: for each other we could you know i had to fill out some online thing for something the other day and it came down to race Mm -hmm. and of course i had caucasian on there but i wanted to check the two or more races because you know okay my well my skin's white sometimes well it's it's kind of damaged from all the (laughs) (laughs) all these years but you know i'm german i'm irish um i'm scottish you know when i look back to my where who you know the ancestry (laughs) what i know about them you know a lot of these white people that are here in the u.s you know came here from other countries because they were being persecuted Mm -hmm. or you know whatever for whatever reason and it's like why have we decided that, you know, my race is on okay, Caucasian. So my race is, well, I have to do a DNA test because there's so much in there. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like my, so, you know, my dogs, I have mutts. They're thanks. all, well, <laughs> the pit bull, I think is pit bull and one other thing, but the color of your skin doesn't tell anything about where you come from. Thank you. Not, not if you go back in time, right. you figure out how we all got here. Not if you live in the U.S. So
0: what I think I is think. important, is interesting, is that for those who um, can benefit from going to AA and working the AA program, because there are some who say they can't, it doesn't work well, for There's them. a lot of recovery
3: programs out there. And I there's can't a
0: lot of different things. So of them. We're talking yeah. about AA because this is Lynn's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I um, think is good about AA is the fact that when I was in that room, and I went to the meeting a couple of times, maybe two, three times, when I was in that room with the, the closed room, because I never went to an open meeting, mm-hmm. I, I always went to a closed room, it didn't matter what was going on in that room? No one was concerned about race. Wow. And there was someone in there from every walk of life. So casteism, caste uh system wasn't a problem, wasn't an issue, mm-hmm. economic, you know, none of that
1: mm-hmm.
0: was going on uh, black, white, Asian, whatever, none of that was going on. In those rooms, it was only about the recovery. It was only about first telling the story so that you could admit that you had the problem. Right.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. But then attacking what was going on underneath the skin, which led you to this problem? Mm-hmm. And it word. wasn't, you know, the white man at my job. It, it wasn't about all of that. Never it was
1: really.
0: just whatever I did, I <coughs> stole, I cheated, I killed, I had sex, whatever it was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just got out of prison. I don't know. Whatever. I was in prison because I murdered. <laughs> I murdered because I was wrong. Like, like she know I know what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> right? okay. But it was never about Whitey did me wrong, the Negro yeah. did me wrong. Like it was never about that. No, mm-hmm. it is
3: nothing about the outside. It is. Mm-hmm. The inside, mm-hmm. and our insides, I do believe, are just the same,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? Yeah. You know, when we die and our bones are laying there, or before the bones, you know, <laughs> we're going to yeah. say, you know, have all the same insides. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. I think I might have osteoporosis right now, though. But it, um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I was going to say,
2: yeah.
0: At the end of the
1: day, yeah <laughs>
2: At the end of the day, we all bag it.
1: All right. right. There you go.
0: So, so that's why uh, I wanted to address this problem because, first of all, we're just women. Our issues are different from men because we don't think the same. Right. We don't, right. and then we give pressure on women, give pressure to women. Mm. So, recently, I'm telling a woman my story about something. And basically what they, after they told me I was crazy several times, <laughs> uh, the, the way it came off was that I needed to adjust myself in order to deal with this issue. Women are always putting pressure on women to adjust themselves for all types of stuff. Hmm. We, we're having to adjust ourselves so that others can feel comfortable. Yeah, that's sad. We we make our children feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Whether we're in a, a you know, <laughs> Husband and wife kind of situation, partner, partner situation, w- w- single mother, whatever. We make our children feel comfortable, mm. whether they' sick. You know, they' growing up, and okay you know everything they do. We gotta tell them how wonderful they are, so they little self esteem. You know, they bring you that little ugly picture. Uh-huh. Now, you, and you put pedestal. it. <laughs> You know, you want you put it, you put it on the refrigerator, and you're like, "Oh, baby, this is so good." you got to be an artist when you grow up.
2: A regular
1: microwave. Like,
2: what the hell is this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, you know, you gotta make your man body. feel good you yeah. know you you gotta make your man feel good because he gotta he don't want to you know we can't emasculate the man we gotta let mm-hmm. it be the
1: man we yeah. gotta make
0: him feel good we, you okay, know we man. got. and we all wonder why betty ford had to come up with a clinic because she was over there making gerald ford look good feel good she, <laughs> and she over there she got back pain and the and gerald ford over there t- He over there telling the doctor, just give us some pills so she can feel better, so she can't do it for me.
1: Oh, my God.
0: On top of which, she was already, you know, just having a little drinking pool while she fixing, she fixing the spaghetti. She pouring the wine in the spaghetti sauce and she sipping some wine too. (laughs) We do a lot behind the scenes in secret yes and nobody cares if we feel i told someone that the way they were speaking to me um it was it was not what they were saying but it was how they were saying it right okay the tone was abusive Mm and brought and triggered the trauma of abuse so could you just change the tone because mm. i like to fit i like to kick the white elephant out the room i just tell you i don't mind kicking the white elephant out <laughs> the room. but if you're talking to me like you are about to whoop my butt i'm gonna shut down if you're talking to me like you're about to rape me I'm going to shut down Mm. because the way you're talking
1: to me was triggering that trauma of abuse. Mm. I'm
0: old. And I am just now within these last couple of years of insane rhetoric talking about these traumas. I've rarely talked about the traumas traumas, because my father, when I started having children, and I was, um, um, can't get no sleep, daddy. I can't get no sleep. And he would say, yeah, just you're a mama now, baby. When you hit the, when your feet hit the floor, you just got to get up and start running. Put one foot in front of the other, and
1: start running,
0: <laughs> Right? Oh, my goodness, yeah. And, and to this day, I still live my life. It doesn't matter about the trauma. It doesn't matter about this. It doesn't matter about that. I'm raising mm-hmm. my kids. It doesn't matter about that. Just put one foot in front of the other and go. And so many women do that. Yeah. I walked into a doctor's office. My son needed something for high school,
1: physical mm-hmm. or something. Or something yeah. No,
0: something was going on with his hand. Okay. We went to the doctor and they used to always make me the last appointment because we would come in there and we would be chitty chattering it up and I'd be laughing and carrying on. okay. And so this particular day I was just sitting there, but I didn't think anything was wrong. The nurse said, what's wrong with you? I said, nothing. I'm tired. The doctor came in. The doctor said, what's wrong with you? I said, nothing. I'm tired. The doctor went out. she came back with a little piece of paper. She said, "Could you fill this out, please? Just fill it out as honestly as you can,
1: please. Uh-uh,
0: So I filled it out. She left. she came back. She said, "Do you have long and short term long or short short term disability on your job?" I said, "Well, yes, I have both. She says, "I need you to take a vacation." let's start with short-term disability. I said, well, okay, what you talking, now I I gotta go to what, what you, she said, you'll get paid because you have short-term disability. She says, and then we'll we'll see if you need long-term disability.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm walking around on autopilot
0: and did not know that I had minor depressive disorder.
1: Mm. Okay. I stayed at home for a year and a half. That was the best year and a half of my
0: life. (laughs) Okay. I realized then that I don't like to go outside. I go outside because I know that it's normal. I try to do normal things. I try to pick myself up and do what I am supposed to do instead of staying in the house and being even more depressed.
1: Mm, yeah. But
0: I don't need to pick up a drink, and I don't need to go get me some, uh, you know, some Herbal- like, <laughs> like I psychedelic
1: drugs. No shrooms.
0: I just need to get up and uh-huh. put one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. and go, right? Yeah. So this is why I wanted to have this conversation is because as women, that's the way most of us are. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted, and I thank you so much, Lynn, for coming on because I could not have spoken to this issue this way. Mm -hmm. And I thank you so much for sharing your story and putting light on it in a way that other women can understand. Women who have the same um, problem and need to find a solution, whether it's AA, whether it's some other type of recovery program out there, um, whatever it is that they know that first they need to open their mouths and talk, Mm. and then whoever they're talking to needs to be listening. Mm. constructively yes is there anything else that we should say to women who are out there struggling with um alcoholism or drug addiction that is leading to the mental health uh, side effect of suicide
3: I think a lot of people choose that option because they they don't know how to ask for help anymore. You know, um, so there there are hotline numbers, um, and you know, um, recovery programs are anonymous. So you know, I know you 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 said AA, and I've I've uh, been involved in that as as well as some other programs. Um, so I can't say any. I'm not going to tell you who you should call, but I know that AA does have a number in the phone book, you know, a crisis hotline. Um, I did call the uh, suicide hotline once and they said they were going to call me back and they didn't. But wow. I think that was during, um, I don't know, maybe early on, you know, but um, the thing is you just you gotta, you gotta tell yourself that that phone's not that heavy. Just keep making phone calls until you get, until you can get some help because life on the other side of active addiction is it's one. I mean, you know, it's still the same. It's still life, but I can look at it and I can, I can live it. I can live it and I can remember it. I can deal with the things that come along and, uh, I guess the biggest thing is that you know i i can look at my kids and and not see pain in their eyes and and say that well at least today they can respect me
1: mm-hmm.
3: wow well
0: i don't I, we're not gonna say nothing else after that because that was powerful
1: that was very powerful
0: so i'm just gonna close us out on that one thank you again for coming on lynn and sharing it was your fun. story Actually, thank it was fun. you so
1: much Thank and you,
0: man. You guys like, subscribe, follow. Uh, do leave your comments. And um, you can see us on pretty much every... I saw yet another platform that I didn't even know we were on. Uh, so you can find us on every podcast platform out there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Go and like, subscribe, follow. Uh, We have a real talk page on our website where you can leave comments there too, or you can tell us what you think about whatever's going on in the world today. Um, Of course, now if you tell us you're gonna bomb something, I'm gonna report you. But (laughs) um, my country tis of thee, land of sometimes liberty of the I sing. (laughs) okay <laughs> oh my god so if you tell me something crazy i'm gonna say this i will be caught in fbi <laughs> okay but other than that um yeah go to our real talk page um and just remember to enjoy the ride that is insane, insane rhetoric, rhetoric yeah we out of this peace y'all uh we'll see you next time bye bye we're so happy you joined us for rebroadcast monday come back and join us on rewind wednesday but until then just remember to enjoy the ride that is insane rhetoric baby